That line in that song that said, He knew who I was when He carried the cross. That's pretty powerful stuff right there. He knew who I was when He carried the cross. I'm glad there's some songwriters that know some scriptural things. And I thank the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. I bless His good name for the good singing tonight. It's always good. Singing is always good. I enjoy it. I say it almost every time I get behind this pulpit. I thank God for the singing. But there are some times when it's just a little better than others. And tonight was one of those times. It was really good. It helped my heart and my soul, and I appreciate it tonight. Thank the Lord for all the special singing. And I'm like Miss Brenda. Not if you had just known me before, but if you knew me now, you'd understand why I love Him. You'd understand why I love Jesus, because He has changed me, made a new creature out of me, and uh, I'm thankful that He's still changing me. He's still changing me, and He ought to still be changing you. Amen. If it's nothing but growth, He's still changing me. My body is still physically changing every day that I live. Every day that I live. We had a a little incident yesterday with my mother-in-law, and here's what I learned. I can't run anymore. It's just out of the question. Uh, My wife and I thought we'd spend a little time together, so I was going to go play golf, and my mother-in-law hijacked the golf cart. She was making laps on a golf cart like she was qualifying for the Daytona 500. And we couldn't stop her. She didn't know that she was in the world. We could not stop her. And uh, my body just is telling me today that it's changing every single day. And there's more to that story. And I would give a $100 bill if I knew somebody had recorded that incident. Uh, But I don't know of a soul that did. But I am thankful the Lord watched out for her and kept her safe during that time. And and certainly thankful uh, that none of us got hurt as well. It It was questionable at times. But if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Psalm 118. We'll preach what the Lord's laid on our heart. And try not to keep you any longer tonight than the Lord would have us to. And uh, the, world, the world is celebrating tonight. They tell me that, that today, Super Bowl Sunday, I'm not sure if it's the largest or the second largest day of the year for food consumption. I think it has probably surpassed Thanksgiving now for the largest day of the year for food consumption in our country. Uh, people have turned this day almost into a holiday It has certainly become a party day, and the people celebrate 22 men on a field at one time, beating each other up, trying to win a trophy while throwing around a ball that's covered in pig skin. And that has become America. I like football. Well, listen, when we get done done tonight, I'm going to go watch whatever I can watch of the game. I like it. I'm not, not against that. I'm just saying what a sad state of affairs that America has come to worship sports more than we worship the God of heaven. 
And entertainment has become the God of America. Entertainment, I, I believe it was Titus that talked about uh, that talked about that our bellies have become our God. We're talking about entertainment and food consumption being the two major issues of this day. Our bellies have become our gods, and, and uh, it's like watching gladiators in a coliseum somewhere to gather around and watch grown men beat each other up to try to win a trophy. And that's a sad state of affairs. I'm glad I'm saved. Amen. failed to mention one thing um, that I was supposed to announce. Brother Brandon asked me to announce to you that if you have been signing up uh, for CDs in the back, our CD recorder is broken. It is down. They can still do those, but it'll take a little bit longer. So uh, if you need CDs and you sign up, understand that it's going to take a little bit longer. Some of you may or may not know, Brother Jeffrey Perry has created a Landis Baptist Church podcast. These services that you want to hear, you can find that, I believe, attached to our Facebook page. So if you want to go back and listen to these messages and you can't get the CD in a timely manner, you can go to that Facebook page and find those messages archived there in the podcast. So we're thankful for that and grateful for what the Lord has done through those things. I would say this to you as well. I do not know how many of you have seen these cards in the foyer. Say, so be our guest on the front of them. Those cards were printed up and brought to the church and given to us by somebody in the church. And on the back, it just has Landis Baptist Church. It has our contact information. It has our service times and our website address. You know how easy it is to take out of your pocket and lay it down when you're through eating? Let somebody know where Landis Baptist Church is. I've left them in the hospital, left them on dinner tables and everywhere else. And they're easy to keep in your pocket. And uh, you ought to pick some up on the way out and leave them laying around town. I see people leave tracks all the time in the bathrooms and on the shelves at Walmart and everywhere else, and uh, the worst they can do is tell us to stop it, amen? So uh, it'd be all right to leave those things out somewhere. All right, Psalm chapter number 118. We're going to re begin reading tonight in verse number 5. The Bible said, I called upon the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. And what can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations come past me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They come past me about, yea, they come past me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They come past me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song 
and is become my salvation. I'll remind you tonight that we are looking at the last, what is known as Hallel Psalm, the Hallelujah Psalms. It is a psalm that uh, has been repeated by the nation of Israel, sung uh, in their worship services and in their times of rejoicing that they would chant or sing together uh, to give praise and honor unto the Lord. Last week, we uh, read these four verses to begin the chapter that simply said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. And uh, we said that you could find the background of this chapter in Ezra chapter number 3 and in verses 10 and 11. I read today in verse number 12 and the, the, uh, the verses following verse 11, and I read where the, the people were so excited that the foundation of the house of the Lord had been laid again that the men began weeping and the Bible said many of them shouted and said they shouted and wept to the point that you could not tell the difference between the weeping and the shouting. It became such a loud mixture of praise to the Lord that it could not be separated who was weeping and who was shouting. As uh, Preacher Horn used to tell me, uh, every time he saw me, he'd say, praise God, it's like old time camp meeting in here. And that's what we would have said about those days, weeping and shouting and rejoicing, not because God had touched some sick person, but because God had allowed the nation of Israel and Ezra and that remnant that had gone back to Jerusalem to lay again the foundation of the temple that they might one more time worship God for who He is. Wouldn't it be good if the people of our day that professed to know God got excited again about the worship of God? So excited that the foundation hath been laid that we would weep and shout and rejoice at the thought of coming together in God's house to worship. Now let me say this about the story and the remnant in Ezra. That remnant stalled in the building back of the temple. They built back the walls of Jerusalem. I believe it was 52 days that they built back the walls of Jerusalem. But it took them years to finish building the temple. But in the beginning, when the foundation was laid, they were excited. Now I'm going to get to the message in a moment. But the story of the temple sounds eerily familiar to the zeal that has come into the churches of our day. When we first got saved and the foundation of God was laid in our hearts, there was a zeal and an excitement and a weeping and a shouting and a rejoicing that is somewhere faded. That is somewhere faded in our lives. These Hallel Psalms encourage us to think back to the foundation, to think back to the good things God had done and to get excited and rejoice and be glad to come into the house of the Lord once more. 
picking up where we left off in this last Hillel Psalm. According to Charles Spurgeon, in these verses, the writer will give us a narrative of all that the psalmist has been through, as well as show us an expression of his faith. He is going to tell us what physically that he went through. He's going to tell us uh, the oppressions that came against him. He is going to tell us all that he faced in the duration of laying the foundation of God once again. The psalmist by many believed to be David, but it is not uh, ascribed to anyone that we know of. And uh, you can decide whether you think David wrote it or someone else wrote it. Uh, we said before that uh, if a psalm's not authored, we just automatically say David wrote it because he wrote so many. But the reader here needs to understand that in this story or in this psalm, uh, what is taking place is a man of God has been appointed to a high office in the nation of Israel. He has been placed in a position that God has placed him in. And here in the text, he finds himself rejected by his friends. He finds himself rejected by his fellow countrymen and no doubt even rejected by his own family. And he comes to us and he's going to begin by saying, I called upon the Lord in distress. I'm singing this Hillel psalm and, and I'm telling you that I've been rejected by my friends. I've been rejected by my countrymen. I, I've been hated even by my enemies. And over a period of time, he will obtain an appointed place and here will express the power and the goodness of God. He is, he's in a position that we preached about this morning. He is not rejoicing because of his surroundings. He's not rejoicing because everybody loves him. But rather he understands that he has enemies, that his friends are against him, his family's against him, but he's rejoicing in the goodness of God and what God has done for him. I was thinking about both messages today and I thought, man, I'm a Baptist preacher and I'm going to get through two sermons without preaching against sin. We preached about this morning counting it all joy when we fall into difficult situations, divers temptations and tonight preaching a Hillel Psalm that says, hey, when everyone's against you, the Lord is for you. Listen, I want to remind you that we open the psalm singing that the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. And the psalmist will now turn out of the experience that caused him to pen or to say those words. This man will praise and, and it certainly will duly be given to God rightfully so. Look at verse 5. He begins, he begins as it is oft, as he often does, or as it often does rather from a prayer answered. His praise begins from an answered prayer. That's how we are, isn't it? We praise the Lord when we've answered, prayed, and God heard us, and 
we got whatever it was we were praying for. The sickness that we were praying for was healed. The, uh, listen, the service uh, went just exactly how we hoped it would. And, and we say, hallelujah. I come into church this morning praying uh, that God would give me what I needed. And he answered and he heard me. And I just need to testify, preacher, uh, that God is good. I, I prayed and he answered me. Praise often springs from an answered prayer. It often comes when we're in a place of distress and we cry unto the Lord. And not only does He hear us, but the psalmist here and the translators of the King James put in, not that He heard me, but they put in rather that He answered me. There's a difference in hearing and answering and had that word have been translated another way it would have meant a completely a different thing but here led by the spirit of God they put in the word he answered me we could come to church all day long and say preacher found out somebody in my family's got cancer and I prayed unto the Lord and he heard me and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the cancer's gone. And we may not praise the Lord for that. But if we was to come in here, Brother John, and we were to say, Preacher, I found out last week my brother's got cancer and I asked the church to pray and we prayed God would take the cancer of the way and I just want to report uh, that he heard and he answered me uh, and we would know at that moment uh, that the cancer was gone uh, and more than likely some people would say, whoo, ain't God good? Because praise often springs from a prayer that has been answered in this Hallel Psalm where God encourages us to give thanks unto the Lord because He's good and His mercy endureth forever now tells us that prayer is answered. It's not just heard. It is answered. He tells us, He tells us that He called Upon the Lord in distress. The little phrase I called, uh, it is to summon Yahweh for help. It is to, as the song that Kara sings every now and then says, it is to fall on your face before God and cry, Help, Lord! Help me, God! I need you. And listen, I spoke a moment ago about my precious mother-in-law. And in the last few days, she has taken a different turn. And I can sit outside her room and hear her sitting in the chair saying, Help! Help me! Help me! And listen, all she's wanting is someone to come to her and get her up or hold her hand. She's not in danger in any way, form, or fashion. But her mind says, help me! Help me! Oh God, the times that you and I have been in that position spiritually where we're just crying unto the Lord from our distress. Oh, help, Lord! Help me. I don't know what I need. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to get out of here. But Lord, help me. Summoning Jehovah God to come and help us. 
Listen, there's a lot of people. I don't see anything that a Kleenex box works for any prop you need. Amen. I don't need to have an illustrative sermon when I've got a Kleenex box. Amen. But there's a lot of people treat God like a genie in a bottle. Poof, out he comes. Lord, here's my three wishes. That's not what, that's not what David or what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is simply saying, I'm as low as I can get. I don't have any friends. My country's turned against me. My friends are not for me. My family does not understand. But God, you do. You know all things. You created the stars that I look at while I'm watching the sheep. You created the sun that comes out from behind the hills and warms my body in the morning. And Lord, if you are that that much in control and you are able to help me in my distress. Help, Lord. Psalmist says, I prayed and he answered. He answered. I've heard people say, thank God for unanswered prayers. Let me say this to you. Garth Brooks may have sung it well. But all prayers are answered. Amen. It may have been no, but he answered it. Scripture tells us clearly, I prayed and he answered. If you know him, if you know him, if you are saved and you belong to him, when you pray, he answers you. Now, if you're lost, don't expect him to fill your bank account. If you're lost, do not expect him to bail you out of jail. If you're lost, do not look for him to help you over the next hill. When he'll hear you is when you call out from a broken heart and a contrite spirit, Lord, save me. Then he'll hear you and he'll answer you. People are praying for God to do things for them when he's not even related to them. But if you're saved and you pray, he answers. And praise often springs from a prayer answered. This prayer sprang up from distress. Charles Spurgeon says this, and let me explain why I'm using Charles Spurgeon because he wrote the greatest commentary on the book of Psalms, in my opinion, that has ever been written when he wrote the treasury of David. And here's what Spurgeon says. He says, prayer from distress generally comes from the heart and therefore goes directly to the heart of God. Isn't that good? His prayer moved him from what some would call a narrow gorge into a large place. 
If you'll remember the saved man is walking on the straight and narrow. He said straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads us to heaven. He said broad is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. It is a narrow way. But aren't you glad on the narrow way that when you call on him every now and then, he'll bring you out into a large place and you can quit worrying about falling off the cliff to the right. You can quit worrying about the rocks rolling off of the side of the mountain and knocking you out. You get to a large place and you just go, I can rest for just a moment. That sounds exactly what the psalmist is saying. I called upon the Lord in distress and the Lord answered me and he set me in a large place. And just for a little while, the tension was gone. And the burden was lifted. And the stress was relieved. And the anxiety calmed down. And the fluttering of my heart settled in. Because he answered me. And he heard me. He was, listen, here, as we said, that he moved into a large place. The psalmist feels some room to breathe. And listen, uh, to God, hearing means answering. And uh, he was no longer confined. He was no longer uh, shut up. But he had the liberty uh, to walk at large free from the oppression and free uh, from the bondage he felt that he had been under. The psalmist had been relieved momentarily of that narrow place. Look at verse 6. Not only does it spring from prayer, but it can also spring from our position. The psalmist said this. I love this. The psalmist said, The Lord is on my side. I could not, I could not help but immediately turn over into the New Testament to Romans at chapter number 8 and verse number 31 when Paul said, What shall we say then? Or what shall we then say to these things? He said, If God be for us, who can be against us? And the psalmist had it before Paul got it. He said, The Lord is on my side. He said, My position in God Almighty uh, is one where uh, I've got somebody with me uh, even when nobody's with me. Uh, I've got somebody on my side uh, even when everybody else is on the other side. Uh, and Paul summed it up in Romans when he said, uh, if the Lord's for you, who in the world can be against you? And if that won't cause you to praise the Lord, you won't never praise Him. Amen. The phrase on my side simply means that he is for me. He's not against. Did you know there was a time uh, as sinners uh, that we were at enmity with God? Uh, we were his enemies. Uh, we were on the wrong side. Uh, but the Bible did not say uh, that I'm now on the Lord's side. Uh, but he said he is on my side. He came to where I was. He saved me where I was. <laughs> he didn't wait on me to get to him. He came to me. And now the Lord is on 
my side. I don't know how y'all were in school, but I don't even know if they even do this kind of stuff in school anymore. But we still do it at youth camp. We say, we're going to play ball. We'll play kickball or we're going to play softball or basketball. If we're playing basketball, you got to shoot to see who's captains or shoot to see who's going to be on the team. And if the first five hit and they're all standing there mixed up, we say, now wait a minute, whose side am I on? And uh, here's what's funny. The little kids always want to be on Brother Gary's side or Brother Preacher's side or they want to be on the side of somebody big because they feel like that that's to their advantage. And it usually is because we ain't playing. We're serious about ball. But if we ain't doing it in basketball, then we're picking two captains uh, and then the captains pick from who's left. And you know what they do? They always want to pick the best. I want you. The other captain says, well, I want her. Then the other captain says, well, I want him. Now listen, young people, listen to me. If you're the last one picked, forget this sermon. All right? Just forget it. But usually, the player that is not the best is left for the last. But could I say to you that in the spiritual realm, the Bible said that he who is last is first. And he who is first is last. In other words, it don't matter in the kingdom of God. He said, I'm on your side, whether you're good at what you're doing or whether you're not good at what you're doing. The Lord is on my side. And if the Lord's on my side, you might as well just step back. The battle's over. Victory's won. Ain't no use to try to discuss who's coming out on top. The Lord's on my side, and it is settled. He goes so far as to even say, the Lord is on my side. What can man do to me? Now watch, I'm going to get that a step further because if we ain't careful, what we'll do in our culture is we'll just make everybody mad because we'll say the Lord's on my side. What can man do to me anyway? And we'll just throw out our chest and we'll bump our way through life and we'll make everybody mad that we want to make. We'll pick every fight that's out there and we'll say the Lord's on my side. Man can't hurt me. Now listen, there's great comfort in that verse. There certainly is great comfort in there. But if God be for us, who can be against us, Paul said. But listen, not anymore. He said, we're we enmity with God, but not anymore. We've moved from the children of disobedience, the children of wrath, to children of the king, children that are dear children, children of favor. We are positioned in him to succeed and not fail. Now here, here's where I want to get about just going through life, making everybody mad. Verse 7 tells us of what my part is and what his part is. Listen what he said in verse 7. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. You know what he's saying right here in this text? He's saying, my position on the battle line, on the front line of the battle, has been filled by God. He is fighting for me. He is not fighting for me against people that love me. He said it is against those that hate him. 
Here, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. You don't go through life bumping other Christians around and saying, the Lord's on my side. What can man do to me? He's not talking about brothers in Christ. Uh, he is talking about the enemy. And the enemy are not other children of God. He said, the Lord has filled my part in the battle against the enemies that hate me. And because my part has become his part, then his part has become my part. And I will see my desire over them that hate me. Now, the next few verses, here's what he's going to say over and over and over again. I will destroy them. Now, that's not, that's not politically correct in our day. We should not... You know, that's why people say we have hate in our heart because we say God's for us and he'll destroy our enemies. Well, that's hate. We shouldn't say that. That's just what the Bible said. He said, the Lord's going to fight my part for me. And in my part, I'm going to stand back and watch him fight. And uh, I'm going to get the credit for the battle victory because I will destroy them. Listen, the psalmist standing over there with his arms folded not doing a blessed thing, and he's telling everybody, I will destroy them. The only way he can say such brave words is because he knows God's standing in where he was. Amen? That's right. Y'all got quiet on me right there. I thought that'd make you happy. That makes me happy to know the Lord's fighting my battles. I can't win them. I cannot win them. Listen, can I, can I explain something to you? You are no match for the devil. You can't beat him. You can't win. You can't even give him a bloody nose. There ain't any of us that are spiritual enough how to do any harm to the devil. Somehow we want to we wanna tell the world that we're going to give the devil a black eye. We're going to swing over hell on a spaghetti noodle with a squirt gun and tell the devil who's boss. Let me tell you something. He's a powerful devil and you can't touch him. Matter of fact, the Bible said all you could do is resist him. Somebody said, you ought to rebuke the devil. I don't have that authority. The Bible didn't give me that authority. The Bible gave me the authority to resist him. He's going to be rebuked. That's going to come from somebody bigger than me. And if he's certainly going to be defeated, I better get out of the way. First day you want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil is the day that you get defeated. Amen. Now listen, I know he's a defeated devil already. Why? Because Christ took my part. He stood in my place. He did what I couldn't do. He took his heel and bruised the head of the serpent. He destroyed the devil of that day at Calvary. He's a defeated devil, but not because of what I've done. It's simply because of what Christ did at Calvary. He took my part. He's fought my battles. He's still fighting my battles, and he's fighting your battles. Verse 7 tells us what our part is in the conflict and what his part is. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. He's standing on the front line winning the battle for us. Therefore, because of that, he said, I'll see my desire upon them that hate me. Here's the halfway point in the Bible. Verse 8, halfway. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence 
in man. If you're trusting your Sunday school teacher to fight the devil for you, you're going to be disappointed. If you're trusting a preacher to fight the devil for you and your family, you're going to be disappointed. He said it's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. Now listen, verse number 8. This is where I want to pull you all the way down through verse 14 with this. Verse 8 promises us that God is better than man. It is a promise that it is better for us. I, I promise you it is better to put, put your trust in the Lord than it is to put confidence in man. The psalmist is telling us his experience that brought him to the place of praise. He said, I had enemies around me and I was in distress. I was in a bad place. I was in a narrow place. And he set me in a large place. He showed me right then and there that he was on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Then he says, he took my part in the battle. He fought for me. Then he said, it's better for us, for you, to put confidence in the Lord, trust in the Lord, than to put confidence in, his, in man. Look what he said in verse 9. It is better to trust in the Lord, to put confidence in princes. We could put it this way, and it would not change the text. We could say, it is better for us to trust the Lord than the government. Hallelujah. Everybody's like, amen. It's better to trust the Lord. And many people are not trusting the Lord and many people are not praising the Lord. When you're trusting the Lord, when you're trusting the Lord in your conflicts and in your circumstances, then you know you had nothing to do with the outcome. And then you step back and say, wow. Wow, he really did that for me. He answered that for me. I cried unto the Lord and he didn't just hear me, but in my distress, he answered me. And because of that, I'll tell others that there is a promise from God that it's simply better to trust God than it is to put confidence in man. All the way down through here in these last few verses that I've read to you, he said, all the nations came about me or compassed about me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. He said, it, it was like a swarm of bees came after me. He said, but yet in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Why? Because the Lord... He's on my side. And he closes this little section of the psalm by saying the Lord is my strength and my song and is become my salvation. You understand 
in that verse, the salvation he is speaking of is not the eternal salvation that we talk about when it's time to get saved, but rather we're talking about daily. He is saving us daily. He is keeping us daily. He is protecting us and watching us and keeping us from danger. And the psalmist said, hey, he said, look, he's my strength. He's my song. And he said, he keeps becoming my salvation over and over and over. He's rescuing me from the enemy. No wonder, no wonder the psalmist said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. I've seen TV shows where a swarm of bees will get after somebody and they run to the water. They dive in the water. Never had a whole swarm get after me. I've been stung several times at once and that's not good I'm allergic to those suckers but they get after you and do whatever but think about a whole hive coming after you at one time the psalmist said that's what it's like with my enemies that is but listen what great news the Lord is on my side what can man do what can they do to me I'll remind you what Paul said if the Lord be for us who can be against us? Who can be against us? What great application from a psalm, from a, from a prayer and praise book to the nation of Israel, encouragement to his people tonight that the Lord is on our side. He is for us. He is for us. That makes me want to face Monday. Amen. Mondays are bad for most people, right? We don't like it. But that, that says to me, Monday ain't so bad if the Lord is on my side. What a Savior we have. Maybe one of these days we'll finish this chapter, but that's as far as I'm going to go tonight. The Lord is my strength. He's my song. He's on my side. He is everything that we need and so much more. Tonight I hope that you're resting in his presence. These are the reasons why the psalmist said that we should give thanks because he's good and his mercy endureth forever. Every one of us could write a different chapter in the book of life about the things that God has done for us and that should make us give thanks unto him because he's good. We could all write a chapter in there. Some could write two or three. Maybe some could write a whole book on why God has been good to you. But reading this book and this chapter, here's the reasons that the Spirit of God highlighted for us to know that He is good and His mercy endureth forever. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Here is another message that I'm not quite sure how to give an invitation on. We've tried to encourage you tonight and let you know the Lord is on your side. And that God is for you. And if the enemy's raging about you, the Lord has taken your part in the battle. He's fighting on your behalf. I don't know what you might need if you need anything, but if you do, the altar's open and you can come. So I said this morning, if you're not saved, it'd be a good time to get saved.
and we'll help you with that while we sing.